Hi, I'm Adam McKay, and welcome to Bedtime Stories with Adam McKay, the show where we improvise a bedtime story to hopefully help you ease into a wonderful night of sleep during these crazy, bonkers times that we're living through. Hello, Adam McKay. Harry Nelson, I can't believe it's you. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. You, Look at you. <laughs> what? what? I, I don't know. I just thought I'd like, sometimes it's nice to greet people with like tremendous excitement. Yeah, and, and surprise. I, I thought I'd hit you with that. No, that made me feel good. You're I mean, really... Harry, like, <laughs> Harry. Oh my God. Uh, well, I hope that you reserve some of that excitement for our guest today. All right. Who do we have? <laughs> oh, the, the immediate tone change. Uh, we have actress, writer, performer, Michaela Watkins. Oh, my God. Yep. You know what? I'm actually not going to do the fake excitement because in this case, the excitement is real. I have been a huge fan of Michaela Watkins. I've actually tried to cast her in a few things through the years. As sharp and as funny as they come. Uh, she's one of those people, that list of actors where if they're in something, I'm going to take a look. Yeah. And she, I guess most recently, was she was in The Dropout. She was in The Dropout. Very good in that. TV miniseries. She plays Linda Tanner. Sure. And I think wow. that got like a whole bunch of Emmy noms yeah. and all that kind of stuff. People liked it. Yeah. And I, of course, I know her from SNL. Of course. Of course. Uh, you need a suggestion. It's right? true. The one thing I need from you, Adam McKay, is a suggestion. And, right. of course, eternal friendship. All right. Well, the second one is granted. Wow. But I don't think the suggestion's going to happen. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> okay. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm dehydrated. I can't think of a word. Okay. I guess I'll I'll trade the friendship for the word because that's more important for us right uh, now. Wow. All right. The word is anniversary. Anniversary. All right. I like it. A lot of ways you could go with that. Exactly. There's emotion around it. Who knows what kind of emotion. I'm looking forward to Michaela Watkins chopping up anniversary and giving us something, giving us a, a delightful, surprising bedtime story. So if you're listening out there, puff your pillow, put your hands on the underside of it, the cool side, mm -hmm. uh, lays sideways, which they say is the best way to sleep. And hopefully the lights are dim. Maybe there's even a little scent in your room. Yeah. Um, don't light a candle and then go to sleep. No, don't do that. Maybe have a cigarette and go to sleep. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> don't do that. That's a joke. Yeah. I have to say that because otherwise a year and a half from now, I'm being deposed. Um, all right, Harry. Well, have fun with this one, man. She's the best. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Thanks, Adam. Sure. Hello. Hello. How are you? Oh, my gosh. I'm so great. I just had my teeth cleaned, so I just feel reborn. Just before this, you were at the dentist? Yeah, before that, a podcast. <laughs> so this is your second podcast of the day. <laughs> yeah. But we're getting the kind, we're getting the one with the fresh teeth. This is, yes. Oh. This is, this is, um, this is just the new me, you yeah. know, with like layers of coffee and tea just <laughs> scraped off yeah. my being. Yeah. Do you, do you like, the dentist or do you how do you feel about does it like make I have the hottest dentist really in the entire world yeah and instead of like 
surrounding himself with trolls to make him look even hotter. <laughs> he has like this beautiful people that work there inside and out. So in this situation, I love my dentist, but I used to have a dentist when I was a kid who was kind of handsy, like his hand would just hold my arm as he would tell me about my teeth. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want this man to touch my arm this much. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> Meanwhile, now your new hot dentist, you're like, you know. Yeah, and he never touches me <laughs> ever. It's not an option, it's really. Have, but Could have boundaries. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thanks for being here, teeth and all. Oh my gosh, thanks for having me. Um, how do you sleep? What's, what's your uh, I sleep, vibe? My vibe is uh, Wordle mm-hmm. and a game called Waffle. Um, that I do back to back right before bed. Um, I sleep best with my husband and my two dogs. Without them, I need, um, it's not good. Mm. It's very bad, actually. Yeah, like if I don't sleep with my husband and my dogs, when I go to sleep, it's really a crapshoot. Is it like the routine of it that you need or is it like? I think it's the presence. I think it's... Just like I think in some ways him getting into bed informs my brain it's night-night time. Mm-hmm. And then the dogs just get all funny and cute and just one of them spoons you like a human man. My husband used to spoon me and now my dog does. Just my dog, Jeff, has wedged himself between us. Yeah. So I have. So I've noticed, too, that when my boyfriend sleeps over, I'm mm-hmm. very... He's like, time to go to bed. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, it's time to go to bed. Yes. But if I'm just left to my own devices, I'm just out. Oh, you just play nothing. with your toys all night long. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. I don't mean toys. You know what I mean? No, I'm a... I'm a but baby. yeah, I mean, maybe your toys, but sure, but not... Those aren't the toys I'm referring to. <laughs> um, I'm referring to my, my phone. Sure. My phone, my yeah, phone, yeah. my phone, my phone. Mm-hmm. Or like, should I untangle all my jewelry right now? Yeah, I'm always like, you know, I've been meaning to set up this stupid computer thing all yeah. day. Why don't I just do it now at two in the morning and then I get tired halfway through and stop doing it? Yeah. Or like, I should probably research hampers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we're here today to tell a bedtime story. Oh, well, God. you are specifically. Okay. How do you feel about that? I think that's so delightful. I like, I don't have children, but I'm always enlisted when I go to friends or my nieces and nephews or whatever, godchildren, all of it. And they say, like, will you read them stories? And, um, you know, they're always like kind of inching for one more. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I would just make them up for them. Nice. And, so you have uh, experience. Yeah. And I was like, this is a pretty good story. This works. This is on par with your other stories. <laughs> sure. Maybe even more it's, exciting. Sometimes it's better than a children's book. Yeah. Cause I would really wrap these things up too. Well, I'm, I'm excited now. Yeah, I mean, you've, I might have. I might have. You've raised the stakes so high. I might have. <laughs> I might have overtipped this hand a little bit. Um, well, yeah. we, we got a word from Adam. Okay. The word is anniversary. Oh, what a wonderful word, anniversary. Oh, anniversary. Hmm. So many kinds of anniversaries. Hmm? This doesn't have to necessarily be a happy story, right? Not at all. Okay, that'll really help somebody sleep. <laughs> Jan arrived at the uh, water aerobics center where she goes to meet her other friends. She's not the best at it. She's not the worst at it. It's just what she does every day. There's Terry, who's quite good, very limber. 
Terry's one of those people that, you know, stands like a stork, can put her one foot over her head while the other one is planted firmly on the earth and be in prayer position and look like something you'd buy at a tchotchke shop in the airport on your way home from Bangladesh. That's Terry. But Jan, Jan can't do any of these things. In fact, Jan has sort of lost her, her kind of lust for any kind of physical activity. But water aerobics she'll do because water aerobics, water aerobics take her back to a time where she would imagine as a child that she could do anything. You know, when you're in the water, you, you do slow motion ballet, leaps and splits and allows herself to just be floating in the water and do somersaults in slow motion. And, and Jan would pretend that she's doing it in the air, but she's really doing it in water. There's also Berenice, and Berenice is probably going to drown one of these days. So when I say Jan isn't the best at it, but she's not the worst at it, this is what I mean. Poor Berenice. Berenice is... Well, Berenice has a very checkered history. She's a recovering heroin addict, but that's not even what is so sad about it. Berenice was called Berenice in high school. Berenice? Berenice, because, yeah, you know why. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not saying that's what led to the heroin addiction, but it's definitely didn't help. help. Yeah, that's right. So anyway, Jan, back to Jan. Jan is at at water aerobics, and she looks at the giant clock. You know, there's always a very big clock on the wall, I'm assuming for swimmers who can't wear their glasses in the water to be able to see. And uh, she looks at the time, and it's 12-12. Well, Jan got married on December 12th. So 12-12 is always very, you know, in theory, auspicious for Jan. So every time she sees 12-12, she kind of makes a little, like, I love you, honey. But unfortunately, it's followed with a wherever you are. Yeah. I know. Because he's an astronaut. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's happier than I initially thought. <laughs> you see. Yeah. And uh, he wasn't meant to go on the latest mission, but he did. And she knew they'd miss, that he'd miss his anniversary. She knew when he left. She didn't count on missing three, though. Wow. Yeah. She can't say for sure that he's lost in space, but she can't say for sure that he isn't either. You know, she's not going to stop Barry. That's her, that's her husband. And that's spelled like the Barry, B-E-R-R-Y. She's not going to stand in Barry's dreams, you know, in the way of them. If he wants to go to space, that's fine. But she is going to uh, let him know that she had wished that maybe this time he passed. That maybe this time what was happening on Earth, in life, in their marriage, was going to be actually more exhilarating and interesting to him than the unknown. Mm -hmm. And it just never is. And there was a time where that was very attractive for Jan. There was a time where that was something that somebody who would put her in second position was something that she felt like she could push against and that she could rise to mm-hmm. an occasion of, of I'm going to make you love me and I'm going to become your, your, your numero uno. But I, maybe it's the years that he's been gone or maybe it's just 
her own evolution. Either way, she doesn't feel like being in the background. She doesn't want to be the person who watches the parade go by. Yeah. She wants to be in the parade. She wants to be on the float. She wants to smash the symbols mm -hmm. on the float because, you know, they do that on floats. Yeah, like the percussion part of the band. Sure. It's usually not the only part of the float, but in Jan's mind, this is <laughs> just a float. With this somebody. is a float with somebody <laughs> smashing cymbals. Anyway, how do I say this? Jan's met someone. Okay. Yeah. I mean, she's not young. She's not a young woman. This whole idea of, you know, pansexuality, open marriages, throuples, this is not something that they've ever discussed before. And, um, how do you do this? How do you end a marriage if there's not another person there to end it with? And do you even want to? You know, she always thinks about that movie uh, with Tom Hanks where he's stuck on an island. Cast away. Yeah, and he talks to a volleyball, and then he comes home to his wife, and she's, you know, married to somebody else. Yep. I always think about her, you know, much in the way Jan often is. That decision of, oh, my God, like, my my man has come home, but what do I do? Just kick this guy out? I mean, I've started a life with him. What do you do? Yeah, no, it's difficult. You it's, grieved this other person. Yeah, like, and and I hate to say it, but I wish that's what the movie was originally about. Yeah, they could do more with I, I'm always I always like more Helen Hunt. Yeah, let's find out. <laughs> when are they going to go back and tell her story? <laughs> How did she meet this guy? Well, I'm sort of telling that story now. Beautiful. Yeah. Anyway, she's met someone. Glenn is a physical therapist. Thus, her water aerobics. See, what happened to Jan is one time she was carrying in some plants and she tripped over a, uh, a herb box, you know, where you grow your own herbs. Mm -hmm. She tripped over it and uh, took out probably a tibia, fibia, and a labia. Wow. All three. <laughs> in, in one fell swoop. How she lands <laughs> to do all of those things. If I told you, I mean, she landed like when you flip an omelet and it misses oh, the, okay. and it misses the pan. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyway, she goes to physical therapy. She meets Glenn. Glenn is like, how do I describe Glenn? He's, he smells like tobacco candles. Like... The sweet smell of, not not like a gross tobacco, not like a, a dirty ashtray. His chest is, he's got hair on his chest. And, and I'll be honest, like Jan has always found that attractive. She's never understood these like oiled up weird guys on calendars. That's never made sense to her. You know, Barry is incredible. Great shape, great physique. Glenn is like definitely from Crete, if I had to guess. Okay. But, uh, you know, Jan knows best. But I would say he's got sort of this kind of Greek Mediterranean sort of olive hues. And he smells like, again, a tobacco candle. It's like he's in good shape, but it's not what he leads with. Mm -hmm. What he leads with is these very, very sympathetic eyes, very warm eyes. Anyway, this story's dragging a little bit, and I'll tell you why, because... We're getting to the meet cute, and that's really the moment. Mm -hmm. So before she went in to meet Glenn, go to physical therapy, that's the accident. Mm -hmm. She'd been driving, and she parked the car, and she saw a man with a sandwich board and a megaphone, and he started yelling, you know, 
Jesus is coming. And uh, when she walked in, she told Glenn what she had seen and made a sort of a joke that she thought would be funny, like, uh, hey, did you hear Jesus is coming? Yeah, that's funny. And Glenn said, Jesus is coming? Good for Jesus. And she got it. She got the joke. It was a sex joke. Yeah. She was like, that's pretty funny. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a long time since Jan had any of these kinds of pleasures. And um, maybe that's why her head went there. Who knows? Sure, leading with that. Yeah. I mean... She was she was just sort of making dumb small talk, and he took it, you know, he took it to up a notch, and uh, and so now all she could think about was was sex. That's it. Oh, wow. And every time, you know, he had her do this, had her do that. She liked being told what to do. It was very steamy. It was very steamy. You know, her she and Barry have a kind of marriage where it's very, it's very polite, very, very um, considered. I would say, but you know. She pays this man to basically tell her what to do and like roll her around and hang her upside down and, you know, put her on her face, put her on her back, all these things, you know, and it's all acceptable. And she realized how long it's been, you know, since she had someone physically touch her, you know, even not even in a sexual way, just to have somebody just like send energy into her little body. Mm Um, she's got a very little body, by the way. <laughs> it's it's not that it's like, you know, little like wafy. It's just small, it's compact. She stands for eight. Oh, okay. Yeah. Add that to the notes. Yeah. Um anyway, Glenn is a large, large man. Very large man. And this brought up a lot of a lot of things. But anyway, needless to say, Glenn was a romantic man. He was giving her books that she should read, like crazy stuff that she would never read, you know, Montpassant and Proust, and then like these graphic novels that were more novel than graphic, you know? And she just thought, who is this guy? He's making me smarter. He's making me, you know, they they decided to go get lunch and, and Glenn orders a bottle of Barolo. I mean, she's never had Barolo. She's never had any. Like, if she's going to get wine with uh, Barry, let me put it this way. She's picking up the wine menu. You know, she's the one who's going to have to make those choices. You know, Barry, like I said, incredible physique. Great shape. (laughs) Never detours. An astronaut. Yeah, he's an astronaut. Uh, But anyway, you know, he would start sending her little, um, you know, you should listen to this song and that song. And soon she started derive messages in the songs, you know? They were all about love. They were all about lust. They were all about, like, I'll wait for you, you know? All that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, first she thought he was sending it because, like, oh, this pertains to Barry. Like, I'll wait for you, you know? And then she said, you know, she really, I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait for Barry. I want my life to start now. Right now. So. Real quick, can I ask a question? Oh, please. Uh, so is Barry, Barry went off to space. Mm-hmm. He's been out there for three years. Yeah, yeah. There's no communication with him. Is that planned? Thank you for asking that. That's the thing. It was, it was not planned. There was supposed to be communication, okay. and there was at first. And this is what was weird, is that the communication first was, you know, please tell my wife this, that, the other thing. 
And I'm going to tell you, NASA, I'm going to tell you these coordinates. I'm going to tell you so many things that you didn't know you needed to know about space and about what I found. And this, you know, we took a sample of this and we found that. And, yeah. you know, it's dark here and it's light here. And, you know, <laughs> sure. all the, you know, I don't need to get into the weeds on on pretty heavy-duty space talk, but you could imagine. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, what was weird is then he stopped sending messages to her. Okay. Yeah, so it, was, it just became very clinical. It just became, you know, we have found some water-soluble material on Mars. We, you know, we found some this, that, the other thing. Well, he didn't actually go to Mars, but, you know, they have devices that yeah. do. And then it just sort of, those just even petered out, you know? And so... She didn't know if he was okay, but they're still getting a blip. They're still getting a signal from his aircraft. So somewhere there's, there's another story that's happening, and it's NASA like kind of frantically trying to find their lost astronauts. Correct. So that's like a whole thing. It's probably in the media. People know about it. Oh, my gosh. Not really. I mean, they're kind of, they don't want everybody freaking out. Sure. You know what I mean? And they don't want rumors because all of a sudden it's like the whole alien situation. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Which we'll get to. <laughs> 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 Great. Yeah. Okay. So I, I just I thought I should ask because I wasn't really sure what what the status was with that. But yeah. I'm glad yeah. We addressed it. Right. So I should warn you about this story. Everything I'm saying is true. Everything I'm saying can happen. Okay. You know whether you believe it can or not is your problem. <laughs> okay. But everything that I'm about to tell you is factual in that it could potentially happen. Okay. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. No tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. If these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. So. Back to Glenn. Back yeah. to the love story. Yep. Glenn just laughs at Jan's jokes. It's not even that he laughs at them. He he expounds on them. They just she feels funny. She feels she feels sexy. She feels alive in a way that she hasn't for a very long time. She really thought, "Wow, you know, I'm I think I'm in love with my my physical therapist." And so after Water Olympics, you know, she, she looks at the clock. It's now 12.30. And um, she goes out to her regular lunch. And uh, she orders her ahi tuna on a bed of greens, which now she's, she's watching what she eats, too. She's, you know, she, she thinks she's in love. Yeah. And she tells Berenice and um, Terry, her friends who are very flexible and very unflexible um, about Glenn and asked their opinion. And naturally, I mean, it's like a real just like that situation, you know. Berenice is like, girl, you know. She always starts every sentence off with, girl, you know. Girl, you gotta, you gotta do this. Girl, this is, this has to happen. You can't wait around for Barry. You, you just gotta let let live your life. You know, he chose to be an astronaut. You didn't choose to be a stay-at-home gardener. Yeah. And she said, well, I kind of did choose that, you know. And they said, yeah, but, you know, people change. And then Terry weighed in. Yeah, people change, but they should change for the better. 
having an affair, and even if it's emotional, and it's even one-sided. You don't know how Glenn feels about you, and they just go on and said, you know, you love Barry. Barry loves you, and you have to believe that he's out there. And it's like Tinkerbell. If you stop believing, he'll never come home. And if he doesn't come home, well, that's, what are you going to do? You just... Your whole life has been about propping up this famous astronaut, you know, on this incredible mission. Terry's up on it, you know, to go find out about if there's alien life or not and blah, blah, blah. So, needless to say, I'm sorry, I'm not even doing Terry's voice properly. Terry talks like this. Sure. Yes. That feels right. Yes, Terry talks like an NPR host. (laughs) Is this Terry Gross? (laughs) If I say it's Terry Gross, do I get sued? Uh, no. Okay, it's Terry well, Gross. Although you did say this is all factual, so maybe maybe yes. Okay, here's the deal. Glenn is not who Glenn says he is. No. Glenn has been formed in space. What? Yes. Glenn actually is a holographic image of Barry coming back as this other man in another time. Because in space, there is no time. Sure. There is no time. Yeah. You know how they just discovered the black hole and all that energy that's like in there? They thought it was just a black hole, a void, a nothing, and whatever. And then they just discovered that the black hole is actually, it's just black, but it's still, everything is happening in it. I don't know. Oh, you don't know this? I don't know. I don't keep up on space stuff. Oh, you got to keep up on space stuff. (laughs) I didn't realize it was so interesting. No, there's a black hole. And what they just discovered is it's actually just filled with matter. Oh. It's like incredible matter, shrinking, expanding, examining, you know, everything. Crazy. Barry went into this black hole. On purpose? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Knowing Barry. Yeah. And came out. <laughs> I'm never going to get asked to do this again. <laughs> I just, I love that we we spent 20 minutes on backstory and then you jumped in immediately with with the fact that Glenn is a projection from outer space. He's a projection from outer space, but he's Barry's projection. Yeah. He's Barry's past, present, and future self. Okay. Okay, so here's the deal. This is what is actually happening. So we are in our little people bodies, just kind of walking around right now. But when you go into space, when you leave the earth and like all its gravitational pull towards this like time moment right now, mm-hmm. you're everywhere and anywhere all, all at the same time. I haven't seen this everywhere, everywhere all at once movie yet, but I'm plan to. So forgive me if I tread on its, you know, no, territory. Not really so I'm not even at all. No, there's no space okay. there. But, but this is like space is literally, you know, when you look at a star, you're like, oh, that's 40 million years ago. It's like that, right? So Glenn is this holographic projection of Barry coming back to test Jan. Oh, oh, wow. To test her. That's all the reasons to come back. Yeah. How does she know this? She doesn't. And she is, I guess, failing or winning. We don't know. Does Glenn know this? Glenn is you know, Glenn is Barry, but he's Glenn is Barry. It's like he's Barry's actively controlling. Glenn. It's Barry. Okay. Yeah, and that's and and thus, this is why there has been no contact because there didn't need to be. Yeah. Because now, Barry is Glenn. Glenn is in the life. But what happens to the man? What happens to the body that you loved, that you slept next to for 
for so many years that you picked out chandeliers and, you know, that you know that they like the soft Charmin. You know that they like the unscented bar of soap. You know this about them. And these all sound like really banal things, but they're home, you know? Mm -hmm. It's that trip to the Omo Valley in Africa, the seed of humanity that you took together and got annihilated by tsetse flies. It's It's this man that you share every single thing in your history with yeah. and then they evaporate and turn into somebody from crete <laughs> what who owns a physical therapy business somehow? <laughs> physical therapy business it's as if did she trip or was she somehow pushed yeah yeah i wonder that too we wonder you know everything that happens to us we have to wonder like is there a reason? You know how people say everything happens for a reason? You just kind of go, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> fuck you. Really? My mom died. That happened for a reason. Fuck you. You know? Here's the thing about space. When you leave your people body, you find out all the things that you thought just kind of merely happened. There's actually a whole downloading of it where you go into a room and you go, what about that party that I went to where it just sort of ended suddenly? Was that because the cops arrived? No, it's because the guy who was throwing the party clogged his own toilet and didn't want everybody to know. So he caught the cops on his own party and then that's why everybody left. (laughs) And you're like, what? Severe overreaction. (laughs) Severe. Anyway, this was a long, long story just to say. The next time, you know, when you go to sleep tonight. Wait, so what happens? Doesn't matter. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'll get to it in a okay, second. Okay. I just have to, I just have to, no, you know, say know. this really fast. Yeah. But when you wake up tomorrow, you listener, and you think, oh, I just cut myself or I burnt myself, right? Ask yourself, what will this mean? What's going to happen? What band-aid did you just take out of the drawer and then you have a conversation with somebody and it goes in a direction that you never thought it would? All these things are all you're becoming. And the reason this matters is because you may find yourself one day, like Jan, questioning. And then somebody comes into your life and you feel like a real jerk because you feel drawn to them in ways you didn't know was possible. Is it possible, is it possible (laughs) that they've come into your life as someone you already know and you get to be who you've always wanted to be with them? And if so, can you cheat? And if you can, (laughs) 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 are you a bad person? And if you are, who are you accountable to? Now, here's the hiccup. Here's the hitch. Okay. Everything I've said about space mm-hmm. may or may not be true. And therefore, what is your moral center? Listen, I don't give a shit if Jan Hicks hooks up with Glenn <laughs> or not. I really don't. I mean, that's not what this is about. That's not what this is about. So, to recap, mm-hmm. Barry is Glenn. Yes. Glenn has come to test Jan. Jan has these goofy friends who offer no assistance whatsoever. (laughs) So it comes down to really, what does Jan want? Jan wants to be, like we said, in the parade. Jan wants to feel like she's number one. Are these bad things to want? Not at all. Not at all. 
Especially if your husband's lost in space. And stopped communicating yeah. with you. Now, here's what I would say. If Jan is like a monogamous, and let's assume she is because she hasn't had the conversation with Barry, mm-hmm. then maybe she needs to do something a little ceremonial. So she does. She finds all of Barry's items in the house, and she puts them in a box, and she digs a hole in the backyard. It's a metal box, I should say. And she puts his, like, favorite items, the most sentimental, all those things, the things that he would be sad to miss if he ever came back, and the things that every time she looks at them, you know, she she thinks of him, his violin, his tape recorder. uh, (laughs) Like, he's very manual. It's amazing. He's top-of-the-line instruments in space, and yet he's very, like, Luddite at home. Like, they can't even have... That's always the way. Yeah, like, he gets up and turns the TV on and off, you know? <laughs> like, we're so <laughs> remote. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she takes all those things, puts them in the box, buries it, and thinks, you know, if he comes back, I'll have to, I'll have to really think about this. I'm going to start a life with Glenn. And she, anyway has this lunch with her friends. They weigh in. She goes to physical therapy, and she waits there to tell Glenn everything she's been feeling and thinking and sensing and just wants Glenn to know that she's, she wants to start anew with, with Glenn and to stop with the music and stop with the books and, like, let's be lovers. Let's kiss. Let's, let's enough, don't, yeah, don't, don't, don't put me in a, in a, where you, raise one leg and drape it over my other leg. Like, I want them around you, Glenn. That's what she wants to say. Mm -hmm. She's much sexier than the way I said it, but you know what I mean, right? (sighs) He's not there. Oh, no. He's not there. A week later, he's not there. A week later, he's not there. One year to the day. She's going to physical therapy for like a year? Yeah. Wow. One year, it was a really bad fall. (laughs) It was her tibia, her fibia, and her labia. Yeah, that's true. One year to the day, she walks in and she says, this is the anniversary of when I was going to profess my love. How dumb am I? Now I'm waiting around for two men. Mm. And as she's just about to turn the handle to walk in to the three-storied physical therapy center, She stops and says, Jan waits for no man. Turns around, walks back to her car. And we see, as we float over, Glenn looking out the window. And remember, Glenn is Barry. Mm -hmm. So Barry, then the window becomes the spaceship. The spaceship is now in space. This is very cinematic, this ending. Okay. And then Barry looks out the same window and realized their work is done. Which is, they had to teach Jan that Jan waits for no man. You know, I I spent a long time thinking Barry was a bad dude for Mm -hmm. going through Glenn just to do some sort of weird reality show type test on Jan. Mm -hmm. But it taught her about independence. Mm -hmm. And I mean... Sort yeah. of a harsh way to do it. Yeah, through abandonment, yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but, but hey, it worked. But hey, it totally worked, took, you know? It took four years, but he got it done. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we don't have a lot of time, so I can't go into all the personal reflection. You know, Jan's got some daddy issues, let's be honest. Yeah. 
I could tell when, you know, Glenn was so much bigger than her. Yeah. That there was something there. Yeah. Yeah. But she knew she was never going to be loved by these men in the manner in which she wanted to. I should tell you that she and Berenice have been doing quite well together. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love can bloom. Love completely bloomed. And they're doing fantastically. Um, they got a dog. They have a house in um, in the Redwoods. Beautiful. Yeah. Did Barry ever come back? Nope. He's found peace in space. Barry's doing what Barry wants to be doing. Yeah. If I do come back here, we'll discuss that. Okay. Because we got the aliens. We got the, oh yeah, my gosh, get so many aliens. things. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely have you. We're definitely going to have you back. I yeah. Gotta, we got to hear what happens. Yeah. Sorry, you really do. <laughs> you really do. <laughs> I have to redeem myself. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. Thank you. For doing this. Thank you so much for really, really listening to this story and really understanding that, you know, this is a story called Jan Waits for No Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the end? The end. Great. Bedtime Stories with Adam McKay is a production of Hyperobject Industries and Sony Music Entertainment. It's executive produced by Adam McKay, Claire Slaughter, and me, Harry Nelson. With production assistance by Jordan Allen and Zaley Mahone. Engineering, sound design, and original score by Isaac Lee. Special thanks to our guest, Michaela Watkins. You can find Michaela on Twitter at Michaela Watt. She's very funny and is a cool, nice person in my limited but intimate experience with her. Intimate might be a strange word for that. Thanks for listening, and I appreciate you using proper sleep hygiene. Hey, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>